And welcome back to the Ford Taylor Talks podcast. I'm Pat Williams, your humble host, here with Ford Taylor. Ford, good afternoon, good morning, good night. What's happening, my brother? You know what? Things are going really well, PW. Lots of really strong momentum in so many areas around leaders across our country who are starting to unify in ways that I've never seen before to make a positive influence on their cities uh, and even in the nation and organizations. You know, for years we've been trying to to get more leaders to understand what it would look like to what I call lay your thing down. No, don't give up your logo, but to lay your logo down at the feet of other people and all share our stuff with each other and make a positive impact and try to shift a lot of what's going on in our culture that seems so negative. And so what's going on? I'm encouraged that, you know, after 23 years of doing this kind of work to see an acceleration of, of all that happening. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, man. I'm excited. You know, we, uh, we decided to do this podcast with the hope of, of, um, giving listeners and everyday folks and moms and dads and business owners and uh, leaders of organizations uh, practical and implementable tools to uh, help impact their lives. And um, gosh darn it, I think we've done a pretty good job. (laughs) Well, I don't know. The feedback's been good, and that's all I can really go by. I never, you know, people ask me when I speak or train or whatever, you know, podcast with either ours or others. How did it go? I said, you know, I'm the last person to ask. You have to ask the people that were on the other <laughs> yeah, end. Right. Of the, ask the receivers how it went because that to me, that's what counts. Before we're going to dive right in, you know, we've got a request uh, from a a uh, a very loyal listener. You know, you've heard the term "daddy issues" or "mommy issues," and how the relationship that people have had with parents, either one or both, continues to impact them in their adult life. Um, I don't think we've ever talked about this specifically uh, on the Fort Taylor Talks podcast, but uh, man, what a what an important issue. And, and uh, man, if we could impact one or two or three people, uh, as well as the person that requested this podcast uh, subject, uh, so be it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We've never gone to that level on the podcast. You know, I do a lot of work in this area uh, with families and individuals. Just by the natural occurrence of everything we do, this is one of those things that pops up on a super regular basis. And so when we are teaching on the neuroscience of the brain and the hippocampus and, and how we store old memories, you know, when people understand that, then they come up and say, okay, can you help me with this one? And this is one of them. So uh, pre-TL, you know, I always had this military forward slash athlete brain. And when I would hear people talking about these issues, you know, I would just say, get like, get over it. Move on. What I mean, that's 20 years ago. Why are you still hanging on to this stuff? And then, you know, as you go through the TL training and then have to walk this stuff out and model, I mean, people really don't know how to let this stuff go and move forward. And it's a bunch of unresolved conflict, I think. And am I simplifying it? Well, it is unresolved conflict, but some of that conflict 
is an internal brain conflict, you know, where, where, where our brains are trying to reconcile what happened to us when we were younger, whether it's a, in this case, I'm, what you brought up was a mother or father issue, uh, it, but it could be a aunt or uncle issue. It could be a boss issue or a sports coach, but let's stay on the mother or father issue. You know, it's like I tell my children, you know, there is no such thing as a perfect mother or father. Well, there's one based on our faith. We believe there's one perfect mm-hmm. father. But but on, on earth, you know, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes as parents, and we all have things that we would do differently if we had it to do over. But, yeah, I see so many adults bound up continuously over the things that their parents did. And why is that? It's because, you know, all around us every day, things take place. And all those actions, you know, those those senses that get kicked off, we see something, hear it, smell it, taste it, touch it. But those senses get kicked off, and it goes through our brainstem and through our amygdala and our limbic system, and it parks at the doorway right below our, uh, right next to our brainstem behind our earlobes. It's something called the hippocampus. And that hippocampus is Greek for the word seahorse or sea monster. And quite often, sea monster is the better name for it. Because if it goes into the hippocampus, in other words, it can be in our brain, these actions that happen. But for it to get into the hippocampus, it takes two things. It takes passion or emotion, whichever word you like better, plus purpose or meaning, whichever word you like better. But when those two things come together, it slides into that little sea monster, that hippocampus. And then later in life, whatever happened when we were younger, so whatever happened, it happened and then there was an outcome. And maybe it happened a number of times with the same outcome. And then later, when something resembles what happened before, our brains neurologically don't know how to process it. We immediately jump to the conclusion it's going to be the same outcome as before. And the best example that that I can give for my personal self, you know, is the sexual abuse by a female school teacher, you know, when I was in kindergarten and first grade. And so I was in my 40s before I dealt with that. But it caused me to do a lot of things because I was bound up by believing it was my fault, that I should have said something, but all those things. But it's the same thing with parents. You know, when parents make mistakes, then the kids, they're just kids, you know, and they don't think like an adult. And then later when they start thinking like an adult, those things that happen as children might actually bother them more as an adult than it did, you know, as a child. So, you know, if you, if you had an abusive parent, a perfectionist parent, you know, so a screaming parent, a parent that spanked you all the time, a parent that told you you weren't good enough, you would never amount to anything. So I, I, a parent who worked, you know, who's gone all the time, always working, never at home and there for their children. So I call that an absentee dad in most cases, at least in our generation now. You know, there's two working parents. And so a lot of these things that, that happen that often parents think they're doing it right. You know, they're, you know, they're providing for their family. And so they think they're showing their love. You know, dad's gone and he thinks he's showing his love to his family by provision, but reality, by not being there with the children, the child may feel abandoned. You know, divorce is another big one. And so as we get older, yeah, we do live our lives out through the lens of that hippocampus, and a lot of it is because of mother and father issues. One of my parents was a perfectionist, 
okay? And I'm the anti-perfectionist. You know, I believe in excellence, but perfectionist drives people crazy. Now, because of that, one of the, it helps me help a lot of people. And so one of the things, but I had to get over that. You know, I had to reconcile that, just like the sexual abuse, with the parent that was a perfectionist. And, and what did I do? I called them, and I did the six-step apology. And I said to them, you know, I've held a lot of grudges against you and bitterness, and I've been wrong, and I'm sorry. Oh, and I've been a smart aleck because of it. Remember, I'm in my 40s and still a smart aleck towards my parents. And, and I've, I've been wrong, and I hope one day you can find a place in your heart to forgive me and hold me accountable to never be a smart aleck again. Is there anything else you want to talk about or owe you an apology for? And my perfectionist parent, being a perfectionist, said, I'd like to know what I did. And I said, you know, you probably didn't do anything. It's probably my brain just, you know, being a child and being the perfectionist parent. I want to know what I did. You know, just kept pushing it. And I just said, well, would you agree that much of your life you were a perfectionist and you expected us to be perfect? You, you want us to make 100, and I'm an 89.6 guy, you know, an A's an A. Um, and they said yes. And, you know, I'm being very careful because one of my parents is still alive, and uh, I never questioned whether my parents loved me unconditionally, never, ever. However, this perfectionist thing, it was, it was hard on me. And, and said yes. And I said, well, do you remember how when I would be a smart aleck, you would say, stick your face up here? And I'd stick my face up and... Boom, a little slap in the face. And yes. And well, do you remember when you did that at my 16th year old surprise birthday party in front of all my friends? Yes. Those kinds of things were very painful. And you did a lot. And it was painful. And it caused me to reject and, and rebel. And immediately, oh my, I knew I did something. I just didn't know what it was. I am so sorry. Will you ever forgive me? Of course I forgive you. I had to forgive you before I could make this phone call. And so when we show people how to get that hippocampus cleaned up, now our relationship was good before that. I mean, we our family's great relationships. But it got great after that phone call. And all of a sudden, they were starting to find that they no longer had a, a lifestyle of anger after that phone call, after the relief of because they were probably holding on to some of that in their subconscious, not even knowing what they were holding on to. So, yeah, uh, but, yeah, I, I deal with people all the time on, and, and again, PW, it's real simple, the root to all of its forgiveness. I mean, that's it. You know, I see so many people in so much pain, and, and, and when that stuff is stored in there with mom and dad, it can drive us to do things with our own spouses or our children based on those models. But once forgiveness takes place, Oh, it's amazing what happens in our own lives and the lives of the people that we choose to forgive. Why do you think it's uh, so hard for people to go have that type of conversation? I mean, you're a, you're a different cat. Let's just face it. You you know you were you're brave. Uh, you're a man of faith. I mean, for you to do that was difficult. But the average Joe, the average person, why is it so hard for people to confront their parents? about issues that happened so long ago, that, that specific dynamic? Well, I, I, you know, I think one of the problems is that most may not have that trust relationship with their parents, where they feel like they can speak the truth. And so, you know, when I made that phone call, what were the first words out of my mouth? Could I share something with you? I may be wrong. 
know, so first I did the apology. But if I weren't going to start with the apology, so most people don't know how to apologize for their part. So that's step number one. And so if you want to, the word confront, I'm fine with as long as you know it's lovingly confront. You know, it's really not confront. It's really have the discussion. But if you can apologize first for how you have held on to this, you know, I've held on to this for a long time. I was wrong. I should have talked to you 20 years ago. You know, this is on me. This isn't on you. And when you start with that, it's amazing. It's not a confrontation. You know, it's like, it's, this could be completely me. I thought as a child, my brain could just remember things differently. Well, then all of a sudden, so that's it. So the big why is people don't have the tools. They truly don't have the tools to know how to have the conversation. So you um, started with the six-step apology. So for our listeners who could be having some of these uh, some of these same things, um, you'd want to go to Fort Taylor Talks, get in, grab the resource, learn about the six-step apology, uh, several different places that we talk about it. Uh, I know uh, on LinkedIn, gosh, a few days ago, I saw uh, a, uh, a great article that you wrote about the six-step apology. So... If you're having this family relational conflict, if you want to go back and and try to um, resolve some uh, some unresolved conflict with a parent, you start by apologizing first for your part in the conflict. Well, or if you, yeah, and again, even if it's not quote a conflict unquote, okay, you know, because uh, here, here's the way I put it: stuff or junk. Is that yeah, a better so, word? Put, so you're <laughs> junk. You ready? So think of it this way: if someone is walking in unforgiveness. They're allowing someone else's mistake to kill the person that's in unforgiveness. And so if you're angry at someone over their behavior, you're allowing someone else's mistake to kill you, to make you sick. And that's just a completely illogical concept. And so they may not even know that you're in conflict. My mom was stunned. And when she heard it, she went, oh, my, I knew it. And then she asked me, I just said who it was, asked me, would I undo what happened to my brother? But I help undo it. And so think about what happened there. What, what relationally happened by just having that conversation. But yeah, starting with your part, I, I am sorry that I've held on to this. I am sorry that I've been angry. I'm sorry that I've been a smart aleck. In other words, this is all on me. This isn't on you. This is on me. I'm an adult. Anytime, once you hit 26 years old, start taking responsibility for your behavior not the other person's, and watch what happens. I wish I'd have done this when I was 26 years old, not in my early 40s. Um, but it, but it's, it's been a game changer. So, yes, you start with the sixth step. Ford, what would you recommend for someone? Obviously, I think uh, that would be a pretty dramatic phone call for someone that is kind of struggling with this. And, and the longer something goes on, the harder it is to talk about it. I think that's a true statement. For sure. Would you recommend getting your journal out or getting a notebook out and, and jotting down some of your thoughts? And then I have another question right after you answer this. Well, now you're asking a healing question. And we have a whole system to show people how to get healing and all those. And that does take some journaling. Uh, to answer your question, we, we can talk about that maybe on another podcast. Uh -huh. But on, on this one, yes, write down what you're responsible for. And put it in order of the six steps. You know, what is it that I've done? I'm the one that's held on to this. I'm the one that's been bitter. I'm the one that's been a smart aleck. So that was what I had to say. 
So write those things down. And, and then after that, write it down, what it is, and then write down, I have been wrong. I am sorry. Third step. Will you or when you can, will you forgive me for this, for my part? You know, I didn't bring up anything about the other person's part. Didn't say why I was angry. Didn't say why I was bitter. It's all on me. And will you hold me accountable to never be a smart aleck? You to always honor you as my parents from this day forward. And then when you ask, is there anything else? If you do it that way, they're probably going to want to talk through what it is. It's real simple. Uh, but if you if you start putting all kinds of excuses in there, and I and I said in there, it's because of this and this and this all the way through the apology. Odds are it's not going to go that well. And so back to your original question. What, what keeps us from doing it? We don't have the right tools. Second question, absolutely write it down and even play, role play it with someone, with someone who can, can listen. And if by some chance your parents aren't around anymore, get someone to sit in a chair and, and represent your parents and do the same thing and read it to them. I mean, it, it, get it off your chest. Quit hanging on to the stuff that's killing you and making you hurt for somebody else's mistake. And if you're a parent, you ought to really get this because you know you weren't perfect either. We, none of us are. We all make mistakes. I've had to six-step my kids a number of times <laughs> over the years. Right. And I still do. And I'm, I'm good with it. I, I always want that relationship to be good. Ford, I think if, uh, if people, A, get the courage and realize that this has to be done now, uh, writing it down also helps you because I think if you don't write it down, um, you don't want to have this conversation where emotion takes over. Uh, when emotion takes over, which could turn to anger, and we know when uh, emotional anger takes over, uh, the FNF fires, the rational brain shuts down, and I, I don't think we're going to get to the finish line there. And And I think having your notes, but also maybe – writing yourself a note at the top of the page, maybe a little self-talk, you know, stay calm. Don't talk above a, a four level, you know, be a good listener. I mean, you should, you should kind of give yourself the rules yeah. uh, prior to that call, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Get your TFA, get yeah. your thoughts, feelings, and actions in place before you go. And, and another word of encouragement, if you happen to be listening to this and you are a parent, that has an estranged or strained relationship with a child, think it, what is it that you could apologize for? Is there something that you can look back at and say, if I could have done that differently, I would have, you know, working less, maybe not spanked as much, not yelled. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, I'm not a proponent of spanking. I'm a huge proponent of discipline, but not punishment. But if you, if you can go back and find those things that you could apologize to your child for, I mean, that's the big win. You want to help your child receive healing, you be the person to go and say what you did as a parent. And, and don't say I would have done it differently, but, you know, when you were younger, I did this and this. And I was wrong for doing it that way, and I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me and hold me accountable that I wouldn't do that with you or your, your kids one day? Is there anything else I owe you an apology for? It's amazing. You know, PW, I taught on this. I, I think it was in, I think it was, there's so many stories around it, but in North Carolina, I was doing this training on this uh, at a transformational leadership 
training workshop, whatever you want to call it. And a lady got up and ran out of the room. She started crying and ran out of the room. And so, you know, tried to wrap things up to go check on her. So went outside about 10 or 15 minutes later and I found her and I said, are you okay? And I said, what just happened? She said, when you just did that teaching, I knew what I had to do. And she said, I texted the six-step apology to my daughter, whom I have not spoken to in 15 years. Oh. She called me back within two minutes, and we're having dinner tonight. Wow. I said, would you mind coming back in and telling that story? Now, we got hundreds of these, but that happened on the spot. And she came back and stood up, I mean, very emotional, with tears. I want to share some good news. Having a daughter for dinner tonight, and then went through exactly what she just did and how her daughter responded. 15 years. Wow. So it's amazing. So as a parent, do your part. Even if it's 1% your fault as a child, if it's only 1% your fault, 2%, 3%, do the apology for the part that is your fault and don't bring up the other person. Don't make excuses. Don't put ifs in the front of it. Do the six step. And then if you do share the feedback, do the four steps. I may be wrong. Pre-forgiveness, love, and truth. So, Ford, you know there's one in every crowd, and I think with this particular subject, there would be more than one in every crowd who's going to say, I did nothing wrong. Why am I apologizing? It, which is kind of the just kind of which is kind of the problem, right? Well, I get told that. I mean, yeah. I, I do hear that. Yeah. And I said, Well, are you open to feedback? I mean, this is how I respond. Are you open to feedback? Yes. Well, I'm going to give you some. I may be wrong. This is on me. Okay, but I love you enough to tell you, are you open to this feedback? Because I care about you. Yes. Then apologize for your pride. Wow. Because if you truly think you've never done anything wrong in your relationship, that's a pride issue. Because we've all done things wrong. I've never seen a kind of, I've tried to help with a conflict recently this year with two kind of national leaders. And it's amazing to watch someone say that the other person's 100% wrong. I did, I've done absolutely nothing wrong. And on the in the in the front end, maybe they didn't, you know, maybe what they got accused of, they didn't do anything wrong. But what about since then? And so, when you're making comments like "PW, you're a hundred percent wrong, one hundred percent," and I've done nothing wrong, I got news for you, that's a problem. And you probably are going to stay in conflict with a lot of people the rest of your life if if that's your attitude. And so, I look for the one percent. And if I truly can't find in a particular relationship the one percent. And if I really can't find something to apologize for, I'll go to them and ask them, tell me. I know our relationship is strained right now. What is it that I've done that I may not be aware of that I could apologize for? So it, it just, you know, because we teach don't apologize for something you didn't do. And so you may have to go ask and find out. Great stuff, Ford. We are uh, addressing an age-old issue, I'm sure, in the Revolutionary War days. <laughs> And uh, in the 1800s, a Great Depression, uh, World War II era, all these uh, uh, parental issues were probably going on. So here we are now in, in uh, 2023. We got answers. We got tools we can use. Well, we got tools. And you got to remember all these different generations, like my dad's generation, you know, they were taught how you show your love as you provide for your family. And so a lot of them, they worked hard and they weren't home as much. Well, then what happens, then the children feel at some level abandoned. 
Now, my dad was a weirdo. He was different. You know, he owned his own company. He would close the doors at four o'clock and go coach our baseball team. I, I, I have one of the people ask me, why don't you talk about your father more? Honestly, I'm a little embarrassed because I don't have those issues with my dad. I just don't have them. I mean, he was there. He did take time off. He did coach our baseball teams. He went with us, took us on road trips and uh, was very loving. I mean, even sometimes he would come home and, you know, thinking, you know, he's supposed to spank us, you know, because of what we did during the day. What do your dad get home? And he would go in sometimes in the bathroom and say, now, boys, you know, really loud. You cannot act like this. You cannot treat your mom this way. And then he would spank the counter. And we would cry like, you know, like we're getting a spanking. And he'd go, now, guys, you've got to quit doing this. You've got to change your behavior because this is not appropriate. You just don't treat your mom this way. And so he raised us in a way to be respectful of her, but he never spanked us. And, of course, I, I wonder, did she know, you know, as a little kid, you think he's fooling her. Odds are she probably knows that's what's going on in there. Uh, but I don't talk about my dad a ton because I, I just don't have that those issues with him. And, and I don't want people who do, you know, to have to think, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I do, but not necessarily with my dad. So at the end of the day, I think we can tell all of our listeners, be encouraged. There's hope. There's resolution. Uh, uh, be the bigger person. Uh, take the high road. Uh, take these tools. Think about them. Pray about them. Have that meeting. I'd also recommend... If you can do it face-to-face, 100% do that first. Second would be on a phone call, text and email. Really hard to read the you know, read into those. And they get people will read those differently. Uh, but other than that, great stuff today, Ford. Thank you. I think this has been a really great episode. Right. And, and PW, thank you. And you're right. Man, face-to-face, no question. Thanks for pointing that out. Maybe Zoom would be second because yeah. at least you could see the faces. Uh, you know, then phone call. We tell people never, ever. And, you know, that's a word I say don't use. Be careful with how you use never and always and words like but, because anything you said before a but doesn't count because nobody remembers that. So these are words I say be careful with. But this is one I'd say never, ever try to resolve a conflict with text, email, or social media. To this day, so far in 40 years, <laughs> I've, I've never seen it work. Okay? So I would encourage to... Uh, to, to do that, uh, you know, PW, one of the things I pray every day is that there's a number of things I pray, but in that list of things that are daily, it's give me the courage to be humble and the humility to be courageous. And so to have this conversation with a parent or anyone else, you know, there's a balance of humility. I may be wrong and courage. I love you enough to have the conversation. So to our listeners, be encouraged. If you have a conflict, if you have a mother or father issue, or if you're a mother and father and your children are not as loving and respectful as you want them to be, on either side, whichever it is, think for a minute, is there 1% or 2% of that problem that could be you? And if so, consider going and taking responsibility for your part, doing the sixth step, and seeing if the conversation might get open and see what might happen. Because if you reconcile it, not only are you potentially doing it for you and your child or you and your parents, you're very likely doing it for the next generation and even the generation after. So be encouraged and thank you for listening. And remember, every day, let's stay lit. Love, influence, transform. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ford Taylor Talks. 
For more information and resources to help you love, influence, and transform, please visit FordTaylorTalks.com.